Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Uh, we will have four people today. Ek will be Ek is on the road. He will be here in a few minutes. Uh, we have Kevin, we have Russ, and we have myself. And there's plenty of news to talk about, plenty of rumors. Uh, Russ, start us off with the pre-show. Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, and I'm going to bring up – I just wrote an article, put it on Sportsology. This – last week when I was watching the um, – the NFC championship game, I was out covering a hockey tournament in Kevin's neck of the woods. And so we're, we're sitting in a bar and we're amazed that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not throwing the ball. Right. He literally only threw the ball eight times the entire game. And it was amazing, but also they didn't need to. Right. And so the basis of my article and the basis of why I think the 49ers are going to win this Super Bowl is they only have to look at Super Bowl three. Super Bowl three with Joe Namath, even though he was like a great passing quarterback, we Eubanks, the coach, went up to him before that game and said, listen, I think we can win this game on the ground. And Namath's like, fine, let's do it. I want to win. And Namath didn't throw a touchdown. And a lot of people always rip him after the fact, like, hey, he's not that great. He didn't even throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl, except the game plan was to run. And so I wrote about that a little bit. And when you're averaging 7.6 yards a carry or something like that, like the 49ers were last week, and the fact that the Chiefs give up copious amounts of yards on, on the ground every game, mm. guys, I think that's what they're going to do. And I know the Chiefs have the sexy offense, but I, I think I don't think they're going to be able to overcome that. Well, Kev, the the difference might be, and that's what the, the the Titans tried to do against Kansas City in Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, and they were effective up to a point. And then they stacked the box eight or nine uh, deep against uh, against Derrick Henry, shut him down, and then it was up to Tannehill to beat them, and Tannehill's not that good of a quarterback. I think Garoppolo is a better quarterback, but I don't know if you can control the ball for 40 minutes and keep it away from Mahomes and help to win. I don't know if it's possible. Well, no, and Mahomes doesn't need a lot. Like he, they could, they could be a uh, um, lose the ball possession game, uh, Kansas City, and still win just because he has that ability to um, make you know big strikes. But I, I gotta, I gotta just. I mean, I I didn't live in the New York area, so maybe that's where all that. But you know, I grew up when the Super Bowl started, and that was it was a huge thing. Yeah, and my memory of that early Super Bowl was. I, I I never, as big a sports fan as I am and having been a sports writer for four years, I have never once heard anybody say Joe Namath wasn't that great because he didn't throw a touchdown. They tell me all the time. They, they, they may be in New York, but yeah, not, not in the national right. scope. Nobody all the ever, time. Yeah, those, are, those, are giant, those are Giants fans, Ross. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, think so, but I hear it. All the time. I've never heard it, and I would say you and I are probably pretty equal in terms of sports fans. But from the, you know, I'm not in New York either, but yeah. um, So, but from the national perspective, but I think it's possible, and I think we've seen that this year. um, You know, there 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 are only like three teams that you know ran more than they passed this year in the NFL, and they were all very successful. Um, they're really good teams. And now I think running has become such an aberration um, that when you do it well, the defenses don't know what the heck to do um, because they're so used to sort of gearing up to stop the pass. Right. But, you know, they don't really kind of know anymore how to defend. I think the 49ers have a great defense, better than the Titans. Yeah. yeah. I actually think the key to this game is Garoppolo being able to throw the ball. I mean, you had you get the feeling that Kansas City will probably try to shut down uh, Mostert and you know not allow him to run for 200 yards like he did against Tennessee or against uh, Green Bay. Um, so you know Garoppolo on third down is going to have to com- make completions. But I don't know, Mike. They give up 4.8 yards a carry on average during the year. I know, but it, if they had. 
if they hadn't shut down Henry in the second half, I would say that that was the way San Francisco was going to go. Plus, I yeah. think that I think the second week of preparation is the key in here. I mean, uh-huh. one thing they have a week, but when you got two weeks to set scheme against that. Now, saying that, um, you know, the San Francisco will be looking at you know different wrinkles as well. So, yeah. well, I mean, be- I, how about this? Raise your hand if you trust Andy Reid late in the game with uh, two timeouts and a minute thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. So it, I think it's going to be an interesting game, though. To it say. Will be. Yeah, I just I'll just make sure that I watch hockey fights in the in the first half instead of uh, Shakira and J Lo. Um, although maybe I'll watch with the volume down. Um, Do okay, okay. Guys, we, I we, want to make sure I sound. I want to make sure I sound okay before I continue here. No, you still sound distant. All right, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, all right, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to log out. I'll, I'll be back in just a few minutes. Okay. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Um, what is the uh, what is that show where the you're singing in the car? Uh, yes, the, the, the game the game Corbin. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what that reminds me of. So yeah, if, if, if that breaks down in song, um, you know, then we'll know. Though. I, I hope I hope not. But apparently, people were pissed off that they found out that James Corden wasn't dri- actually driving the car. Who cares? I, I know. Think, I, like, I I think it was just you that was ticked off. I, no, 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 no. no. I, 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 I could care less, Cap. No, no. Apparently, people like, thought it was. Come on. There, there's something you don't care about. You have no opinion on. I don't. I, I don't care. Like, I, I, you know, we haven't started the show yet, but I was going to say you got this. I, I never laughed so hard uh, this season that I did when I was on the um, texting string when you reported the Sandine injury. Like most guys would have said, "Well, he's off and left." It was such a calamity to you. It was over. Take him off. Off the train, you know the uh, the list. It was on. Oh, uh, oh, you mean Cap? You mean Kapanen? Kapanen, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I just started laughing. Up, I was sitting next to my wife, and she said, "What are you laughing about?" And I said, "Only Mike could turn a Kapanen injury into the biggest calamity in the history of the world." And then, of course, and then of course, from well, how far were you away from the ice? About two- I was, it was it was in Nashville. I was watching on TV. Oh, you watch on television. So from television, you made a diagnosis that put him out for the rest of the year, so, or, or he was injured to the point that he should be removed from the trade list. So I, I, I just started laughing. It was, it just uh, really, uh, yeah, that's right. It was capping. Well, we can we can go in depth on that in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's start here. Hello, hockey world. Today is Wednesday, January 29th, ninth, twenty twenty. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm Kevin Allen. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, we may have Eklund back if he if we, if we can find some good reception and good volume on the highway. Um, but let's start with a game I was at last night, and a game that there was only a couple games last night in the NHL, um, but a game that I was at, and I think one that can, you can draw some conclusions on. And Russ, uh, the Sabres coming out of the break – they were 10 points behind third place in the Atlantic division, Florida and third place, 10 points behind, uh, I believe Carolina in the second wild card spot, but they had nine of the next 10 games at home. First one being a game against the Ottawa senators who had played the night before who had not won in, in on the road since December the 4th with the worst power play in the NHL. And lo and behold, what did the Sabres do? They lose to the Senators. They give up three power play goals. The Senators outplay them in a 5-2 victory. And to top things off, their starting goaltender, Linus Olmark, his leg folds under him. for so. It was not a slew foot. It was not any contact. It wasn't even a rut in the ice. His leg just folded up, and it came out about an hour ago that he's out three to four weeks with a lower body injury, and they're calling uh, Jonas Johansson up from Rochester. Um, I was saying before – this game that the Sabres were likely done and likely going to be sellers. I think there's no doubt that that's what's the direction now. Yeah. I, I felt that way, but I wanted to see what they would look like coming out of the break with this game. And I remember texting you, even though it was two, two, even though they came back a little bit in that game to tie it after it was two, two, I felt like they still gave up glorious chances to Ottawa Mm -hmm. and, and Allmark made some good saves, 
But I remember texting you saying, if this is the best Buffalo has, they're in trouble. And lo and behold, I don't think Allmark's injury cost them the loss in that game. No. Ottawa was just out skating them. And this is a team, like you said, that played the night before. So Buffalo's defense isn't good enough. And at the end of the day, that is what's going to, you know, cost them here. Eichelm had a great goal. There's no question he's a great player. Skinner right. was fairly effective in that game. You noticed him at least. But, Kev, I just got to say, I mean, Buffalo's done. I don't think there's anything they can do. Well, you know, this is when parity really, really hurts you. Like, you know, they got 32 games left. So you say, well, you know, uh, they're 10 points back, 32 games. I mean, it's still – possible and plausible but i don't disagree with you you know the problem you have is is that you know the teams are so close that on every given night you know half the teams that you're in contention with are winning right so when you're 10 points out that that's so far out like uh, because you've got to basically go win nine out of ten and then you know hope that you know the best another team you're in rival goes like six and four and you gain six points, but it's taking you ten games to gain six points. So it's it's difficult. And I had heard through the grapevine that uh, the uh, Sabers, uh, you know, have been aggressively pursuing trades in the marketplace, and um, you know they they're they're trying to move some people. I think they kind of know where they're at, but um, I also think they haven't ruled out trying to make something that would try to help them if you know they could get closer. But uh, you know that was that was a loss. That was a that you know almost put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, and, and the, the thing that I, I keep drawing from because I've been to a lot of Sabres games this year, it's Eichel, it's Reinhardt, and maybe one or two others, and that's about it in terms of offense. I mean, they, they yeah. I think their defense is really, you know, they, it, there's some depth there, but there are players who are not playing up to expectations like Montour and, and uh, Colin Miller are not playing very well. But there's depth on defense, but offensively, I mean, you're saying – Kev, they've never recovered from the Ryan O'Reilly trade. They they tried to place Casey Middlestat as the number two center. I think it was too much too early for him. Um, he's down in the AHL right now, and from what I was talking to a couple people uh, yesterday, they may not bring him up for the rest of the year. So they're going to keep him down there and let him, I guess, learn learn his lesson and maybe uh, you know get straightened out before he gets a chance next year. But they, I mean, that's that's their big problem is the number two center. And I was talking again to, to somebody yesterday and said, well, their solution for the number two center next year is Dylan Cousins, their first round pick. You're going to put another 19-year-old as a second line center behind Eichel? I mean, the, what, the, 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 uh, the insanity is repeating the same thing over and over. No, I, I, I agree with you. And, that, and that's turned out to have been a really big miss on Middlestad. And you know what? Uh, you know, everybody kind of missed on him because – Everybody thought he was going to be an impact player. Sure. Um, and he, you know, his slow development, um, I, I don't think anybody could have predicted. No. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a shame because, you know, he's a skilled guy, uh, but they really needed him. Can you imagine if he was even, you know, uh, you know, 80% of the player that uh, the scouts thought he was going to be, they'd be in a much, you know, better position. But, uh, you know, they they lack depth. A lot of the guys they were counting on, like Skinner, was not been un, unable to duplicate the season right. he's had. Um, and you know, they're just not getting the production out of the you know players they need to. And you know, their defense wasn't good enough uh, even at the start of the year coming into the season. And it, to me, it's it's gotten worse. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, you know, I've heard that they want way too much for Ristolainen. and. Yeah. Um, and you know, so whether or not they're going to be able to to move him, you know, seems doubtful to me. And uh, you know, well, I guess the big question is if they don't make the playoffs, will Botterill uh, survive? Like, right. this, this is a very bright guy. Like anybody, yeah. and he's been around a long time. He understands what's going on in terms of the league and what needs to be done. He just hasn't been able to do it. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know whether it's a a uh, matter of, uh, you know, bad luck or poor execution. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between the two. Well, I mean, they're only slightly closer than, than they were a year ago. I still think Middlestad will develop. I just think whatever reason, like you said, it's just slow developing and it hurt him. Cousins is an interesting one. To me, he's like the offensive version of Noah Dobson. He's got 28 goals in 35 games because he's a big kid with a booming shot that can overpower guys in junior. But it doesn't mean he's going to do it at the NHL level, but you can't put him in the AHL. Right. So 
I would still send him back to juniors next year because I do not want to put that pressure on him knowing what happened with Middlestat. Like, so if I look at the Sabres, there's not a lot they can do. They could, you know, they could make a move or two in the offseason. They can maybe become six points better. Maybe they can miss the playoffs in the last month. But they're probably still two or three years away because we don't even know with a full season of Allmark if he's really a number one in the NHL. So there's a lot of things there yeah. that are still not in, in lined up. Well, it, it sounds like the plan is going to be after Lethbridge gets eliminated in the Western Hockey League to bring Cousins up on an ATO and play him in right. Rochester and let him get some pro experience. Sure. Um, but uh, as for Botterill, Kev, I, for everything I've heard said that he, he's not in danger right now. But they, they're, in a, they're in a situation right now where you, know, you have a fan base that is frustrated and tired of losing – there were a lot of people in the crowd last night that were yelling fire Botterill and talk, talking about Ralph Kruger being a soccer coach, which he wasn't a coach. He was an administrator with Southampton. But, you know, it's just, there's just a lot of negativity. This is a really great hockey town that hasn't made the playoffs since 2011, and they're getting frustrated, and they live through a, uh, you know, a tank job to get Eichel, and that's turned out to be a good move because Eichel is one of the best players in the league. But they're tired of losing, and they just seem every time they try to address something, it goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo's in that situation, and Edmonton's there now, too. Columbus was yeah, there last year. And that is, is that making the playoffs is, is, is so important. Like, you, you know, you got to get in. Like, I, I did an earlier podcast today, and one of my points we were, we were talking about, you know, who, who we would call out as journalists and, and general managers. And I, I called out, you know, Ken Holland saying like, all you got to do is look at last year and what Columbus did and the importance of getting in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter in some cities. Uh, in fact, if it just making the playoffs is not enough, but it matters right now in Buffalo. It matters in Edmonton. It mattered last yeah. year in Columbus. And, you know, that's why, uh, you know, like the, the minimum for Buffalo was getting into the playoffs. Right. And it's yeah. right now it looks like an epic failure. So it definitely does. Can you guys hear me? Yep, you're good. You're good. I okay. sound good. I'm just gonna do this without uh without any camera yeah. you guys don't need to this see my better. beautiful face anyway. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So um yeah, no, I, I, I you're, you're you're pulsing though. It's kind of fun though. We'll see you kind of <laughs> pulsing. It's like we're I'm looking always... at your, your heartbeat or something. That's so. my secret, Kevin. I'm always pulsing. Yeah. Um, yeah as, as the Hulk would say, I'm always angry. Um, all right. So, <laughs> the I, I wanted to get into I wanted to get into since we had Kevin today, and I wanted to I, people have been like begging us for a mega rumor blog, right? So a rumor blog, rumor podcast. So I wanted to go through guys with you guys today. Yeah. The the, the top guys with Kevin, you know, just like yeah. to go through this like and say, okay, these are the guys that that really that we think are going to get moved, you know. And um, and see what you're thinking, Kevin. Like, where do you feel they could end up? Because I've, you know, everybody's heard my opinion a thousand times now. So, um, but let's like let's and let's start the start the bidding with Tyler Toffoli. You know, obviously a good player. Um, you know, who's got some experience, big player, brings some size, right? But has been has won a couple Stanley Cups. Um, what are you thinking, Kev? I'm thinking I'm thinking Calgary um, is yeah. my my first thought. Um, and, uh, you know, they need desperately need uh, somebody to play in their top six. Um, and they know him very, very well, uh, yeah. obviously. So I, I think he, you know, that seems like perfect for a good, a good fit there. A guy that's comfortable in that, uh, uh, in that division, a guy that knows, uh, uh, the opponents out there, they need a score. You know, he's, he's essentially a 20 goal scorer, And I think that's what they need. True. Like they have, uh, um, um, you know, I, 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 I think if they add one more score, then everyone will, will be in the right spot. So that's what I would say. And yeah. that, you know, there are other teams obviously looking at him. There's been rumors all season. I mean, you know, that Boston yeah. knows exactly what they need to do if they want to get to Foley. But I think they're, uh, they're, they're. I think they're all in on Kreider. I mean, Kreider makes too much sense. Okay. For, you know, but if you look at their. A lot of times we overplay the geography factor. Mm -hmm. um, right. you know, we say, well, you know, he's from Toronto. But, you know, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't yeah. agree more. It makes me crazy. And a lot of players will tell you flat out that they really don't 
want to play right, in their right, home. but but it, it turned know. out to be important in the John Tavares situation. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's important with the Bruins. If you look at their history, um, they yeah. like Boston area players. Yeah, and you look at they even did. last year's team. Uh, Boston area players played a big role when they when it seems like ties go to. Boston area players when they're right. making their determinations. I, yeah. I mean, they're not going to just take a guy from because he's Boston, but I, I think getting a, a, you know, the potential for Kreider to play in Massachusetts and he's really exactly what they're looking for. He's a scoring winger who can skate. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think that's a good fit. And I would say, you know, they're number one. I know there's been uh, lots of talk about maybe Pittsburgh being in on him, but, um, yeah, I, I, heard that too. I, I don't think the Rangers will trade with him, Kev. That's what I think. Right. I I think that would be a much harder trade. I would say I would never say never, right. but I think that's a harder yeah. trade to make. Well, and, and I I think that the that geography, as we were talking about, Kev, was important with the with the uh, Bruins last year when they traded for Charlie Coyle. It ended oh. up he, he it worked in terms of him playing well there, and they got him on what a lot of people think was. A little bit of a haircut because he wanted to stay. He wanted to stay home. It was a, it was a not a hometown discount, but it was a factor in them getting him locked up and having yeah. him for another year too. So, I mean, I, I, I so wait, I, wait a I, second I, here. One second. I want to I want to point something out here, guys. You guys all think that it's impossible for a New York team to trade with a Pittsburgh team, and yet you all think New York could trade with a Boston team. Is that what they trade with them? trade with them all the time. Yeah, they. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying that. I know. I'm just saying, you know, like, does it really matter? I mean, they're, they're out of the playoffs. Trider's in a, a UFA. It's not like you know. I don't. I don't see how this matters at all. Where he, where they trade him to? And, Boston's and, in another I, division. I, don't, yeah, I think they're going to look for the it's best not deal. Like, it's, it's not like it's the Red Sox and the Yankees trade trading. It's, it's I know, but you know, but, but to me that that if you if you really want to like pick a city to hit, like like I said before, I don't I don't see this as a big deal for the Rangers. They put them they put them anywhere. They put them on the Flyers for, or the Devils for crying out loud. Who cares? Because Honestly, he's a UFA, and he's unless you think he's well, going to like go there, fall in love, and sign there forever. I mean, that's, I, I, you know, but I, I, you know, you never say never. But I do think there are there's some history between like it would be hard for the Penguins and Flyers to make a trade. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's hard. And yet, for and yet they did that. They did that a few years ago. Yeah, with Mark, well, Mark Strait. I mean, okay, well, I'm going to go likelihood. Mark Strait got there on a three way thing. He, right. Yeah, those, they didn't trade him directly there. No, that's that's a good, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. But but I think that you know, but with well, well, Ottawa and Toronto, they've made Ottawa and Toronto have made trades. Montreal, Montreal traded Plekanec to the Leafs. I'm, I mean, wait, I mean wait, Montreal yeah, traded Plekanec. That first of all, that was a favor. That was a favor. That was not a favor to the Leafs because Plekanec was washed up. So, and second of all, the Leafs were dumping Dion Phaneuf. They were at, they were anxious to get rid of his contract, so they would have traded him to anybody. To get rid of them, I want to. I want to just yeah. say, I, 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 it's not the same as it was, you know, right. in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Sure, but there is yeah. some hesitation. Like, you know, would it? What I would never say that it that Kreider would never be traded to the Penguins. I'm just saying it's a harder trade. Yeah, yeah, a harder trade yeah. to make. That's how all. About, how about this though? The Penguins don't have the same kind of assets Boston does. It's not even close. So yeah, well then. Well, there's that too. Okay, now, yeah. now if we if we look at Kreider on the Bruins for a second, and we look and we let's 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 all go backwards in time, and let's say the Kreiders, the the Bruins from last year are meeting the Blues of last year in the Stanley Cup final, final, yeah. but the Bruins have Chris Kreider on their team. Mm-hmm. How does that change the change the final? They have a better chance to win. They might have won. They yeah. might have won. Eck, you got for. I'm sorry, but the thing the thing was with the Bruins, and I, you know, I watched them all the playoffs last year. They they really didn't solve their second line issue with wow. Coyle. They had Coyle playing third line, sometimes right. center. Their second line was DeBrusque, yeah. Krejci, and then it was a rotation of people. You put Kreider on the left wing of that line, and then have the Pasternak, Bergeron, oh. Marchand line. They're almost unstoppable. Listen, guys. Listen, guys. I don't. I don't disagree with you. I'm not saying. I'm not throwing it out there like this. Like, how does that ever change it? No, I'm really just saying, how does it change it? Because I think it. Yeah. Does, I think I agree with you. And especially with Kreider, who I mean, Montreal Canadiens fans can tell you what Kreider can do for a series, right? I mean, he. Sure. He uh, is definitely. He is definitely the kind of guy who can turn a series around by sure. by becoming just the jerk that distracts everybody, right? 
that's that's something he, he's able to do and that's something i don't i think the bruins were lacking last year more than you know i mean they have the, they have they obviously have the king of all jerks who distracts players on their team on boston but but you know beyond marshawn who's got who who marshawn i think definitely last year felt the pressure to score because he was because they were having such a tough time getting goals against st louis and he sort of got away from his like you know, disturbing game and when and when he was scoring game, Kreider would have helped out a lot. I I, I like Kreider in Boston a lot. I well, do agree with you on 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 the idea of it. I don't. Let, you know, I think that let, that. So let's just say this: we've got other players to get into. But go ahead, well, Mike. Well, continue well, with this. Let's just let's just say this: if the return is better for Kreider from St. Louis or Colorado, that's where he's going to go. Boston's going to have to you know, make as just as good an offer for Kreider. But it, there is motivation there because I think maybe they think there's an outside chance that he would stay and re-sign with the Bruins because he's from there. But even if it, if he doesn't, they probably think the fit will be better because he's from the area. And, it, you know, it, I, I I think that would work out. But the price is not going to be cheap. No, no, the price will be high. Yeah. They have a lot of guys. And so they are the best trading partner. I mean, they are. Of all the teams, Edmonton, yeah, they- two guys – Nobody has guys like yeah. Boston. Though. Well, here, yeah, here, here, here. I mean, so I mean, really, I mean, you guys are dead on right about that, and I and I think you know when you look at when you really look at where this is heading with with the Bruins, who the Bruins have to see this as a big window year for them. I mean, the the division is weak. They've got they've got a a nice path. You know, the whole conference is is kind of up for grabs. The Bruins are still strong. They've they've had you know their ups and downs. They have to make sure they get they get their yeah. solid goaltending. But as long as they do. Yeah, the Bruins have no reason to think they can't win a Stanley Cup here. You know? Well, Eck, here's here's a question from the chat that'll lead us into another another area here from Caleb. Do you think that the with the cap space the Pens have with Gensel on LTIR? By the way, he's on IR right now, but they can move him to LTIR, uh, and the ability to open up more ca- cap space with a Galchenyuk trade that Rutherford might go all in and get two big names. Well, okay, Cal- I'm, I'm betting he'll try, try, but I think one of them is going to be. Uh, and so that'll be next okay. in terms of you know it just seems like why you know why wouldn't you do that you know if you're the penguins it, yeah. it seems to me the kind of trade that that uh you know rutherford normally makes sort of the extra guy yeah. I, I think he'll go in after all the you know the big name guys i i don't know that they're going to be able to turn galchenyak into much of anything to be honest oh no I think what Caleb was saying yeah. is they, they have to clear his contract and maybe they can well, get some- But I don't know whether you're going to be able to do that. Maybe, but yeah. we'll no, Well, here, here's- I mean, the team, that, the team, when I look at Galchenyuk and I look at Jack Johnson, right, two guys that they would like to move, um, but yeah. who, who have a lot of space that are very hard to move, right? Um, yeah. And, I mean, would a team, you know, is this a situation, Kevin, where a team like Detroit says, okay, give us a give us a first, second round draft pick. We'll take those guys off your hands for a bit? No. I, I, I think uh, Eisenman's trying to clear his cap uh, as right. well. Um, yeah, yeah. I was just trying to think if, if a team yeah. is further away a little bit, might want to take that. Yeah, no, I, for a little bit. Yeah, and the, the other thing, too, is they want roster spots to bring their guys up and let them learn. That's one of the issues they have now is they have a lot of veteran players that, you know, are not, uh, um, you know, playing at a high level. And, you know, they, it, it's harder for them to bring guys up and, well, this 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 is the issue with Pittsburgh. I mean, they do want to add a add a forward because Gensel's out for at least the end of the right the, the the rest of the regular season. There's been a lot of speculation around Buffalo around about Connor Sheary because they know him and he won two Stanley Cups there, and his salary is only three million bucks. So they they could make they can add him and still have money to make another move. Kev, the other name that is intriguing again here's location 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 is Pittsburgh native Brandon Saad, who Chicago is supposedly shopping. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've heard that as well. I mean, I I think that's a possibility, but I I, I don't think that's, you know, the most likely scenario. Right. Um, that's how I, I view that. I think, you know, everything they'd have to strike out on Toffoli and Kreider and, you know, right. all the guys. Like, they really, you know, they're in a position where they're, they being the Penguins, um, you know, their offense is ranked very highly and their defense is ranked very highly. And they got one of the hottest goalies, if not the hottest goalie right. in the National Hockey League. So they're going to push and go all in. And I think they feel, you know, and this is part of Penguins tradition uh, has always been to be one forward short. Right. Like if you look at them historically, even when they've won, there's always been one guy in that top six. You're going, really? Is, that's the, you know, and that's yeah. what the price they pay. For having both Malkin and Crosby, 
sure. and Latang and and uh, you know they're you know they're paying a lot of guys. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, they, that's a possibility they'd go in the side direction, but I think they'd rather get a guy that they can score because Gunsel was obviously crucial to their offense. So, um, I, mean, you, I, I think Saad could go to Vancouver. If Vancouver stays in this, yeah, that's the kind of guy that they're missing because they have speed. They've got guys who could score. They don't have that many guys who could be around the net. Even Bertanen's kind of young in that sort of role, yeah. and so Saad could really be a benefit to them in that role. And Saad's got another year left in his contract, so right. it's not just a simply a, a salary dump for a rental. Um, and they have plenty of prospects. And I'm I'm definitely the only one here who thinks that Saad is like a steal and could turn this thing around pretty quickly. Well, I, I, mean, they, I, I mean, I think people like like Saad, but I'm just saying they don't. They want a more. They want a score. Like Pittsburgh wants a score, yeah. right? Yeah. You know yeah. now. Yeah. Now, Kev, there were 16 teams, and maybe it was because there were only a couple games last night. But 16 teams that with scouts at the uh, at KeyBank Center for the Sabers and Senators, and I think also because you had two teams that were sellers. And the big name I think for uh, that was the, the people were looking at was JG Pajo because yeah. there are not many centers out there. Um, I, you know, they, the, the talk is continuing while they're trying to get him signed. Nobody in their right mind is going to sign with Ottawa. I mean, and they could go someplace else and sign him in the off season, but Ottawa is not going to get anybody under contract before the, the deadline. So why wouldn't you just trade him for as much as you can? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, he'll be traded. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, uh, Edmonton would be, a uh, good fit for him. They've been looking for uh, a number one or number three center, and uh, you know I think that would be a, a good good choice and a good fit. Um, but you know there's a lot of teams that are interested in him. Sure, a lot of teams. So uh, a lot is going to just depend on the on the bidding for him. Um, but I I think Oilers have got to push all in, and I think they got in order to do it they need to get like three guys, including a goalie. So and and see that that's what I mean. It's like I mean that seems to me completely unrealistic. I mean I'm the I'm I'm the king of the unrealistic ad at the deadline. I mean I oh go get this guy that guy. It's that I've come to realize that's the, that doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Well, but what if they could get a goalie that could be part of their future? Um, you know that's the Georgiev. Like yeah, Georgiev. Exactly. That's the, the the point. Like then then it becomes a little more feasible. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe the defensive help is Trevor Daly, who's right. been around the block a little bit and just kind of knows what he's doing. But, you know, not a high level, not going to cost you more than a you know fourth round pick or something like that. Sure. So I think they could bring in, you know, multiple you know players and get that done. Maybe pay, pay a steep price for two of the guys, including one of the guys who's yeah. going to be in your long term. Um, you know, plans. So, yeah. I, yeah. Know. All right. I've got another name for you guys. Um, you know, is Andreas Athanasiu, right? Here's another mm-hmm. guy, um, Detroit, uh, looking yeah. like, you know, he's, he's, he, from all indications, is gone or could be gone. Um, Kevin, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I, I don't think, I think it's no better than 50 50, if that, okay. maybe less, that he'll be traded at the trade deadline. He's still hurt. Um, he's had a terrible year. Right. Uh, going to not going to want to give him away for nothing. Right. And n- no one's going to want to give his true value, you know, given how poorly he's played this season. So I think he's a guy, I think in the summer, the season kind of rubs off and, uh, you know, move past it. But this, you know, we're still in this season where he's a minus 1 billion. And, uh, <laughs> right. and, and uh, uh, you know, just really hasn't played. The thing about him, the romance of Anthony Steve, though, is high because there isn't a game you watch him in that he doesn't get a breakaway. Sure. Like, you know, yeah. he, he is, he's DC flash fast. Uh, you know, he's, he's fast. And uh, he is the Pavel Brendel of this generation. That's what oh I'm going to say. No, he's better. Well, than I think he's a little better than Pavel Brendel. <laughs> Brendel had no work ethic. I wouldn't paint that on. I know he had no work ethic at all, but, you know, the Alexander Day is he an Alexander Day? Okay. I I think Eisenman would love to get a, a no a defenseman for him, and uh, I don't know that he can do that. A young defenseman is he uh, is he better as is he a better fit as a winger or as a center? I I don't like him at center. 
Okay. They tried to make him that, but uh, I think he's a winger. I mean, I think he's the flying down the wing winger. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think he handles the puck well enough to be a center, in my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, that's just that's my opinion. I But, you know, he should be part of the mix here. Sure. You know, he's so young, but, you know, he doesn't seem to – to, you know, get along. It's like he's alienated the organization. You know, it, it, it is, it yeah. is, a, it is a statement because he does have a lot of talent. Kevin, that that if Eiserman is saying I don't see him as part of the future, then that's got to send off warning signs to a lot of other teams. Well, yeah, I mean, the word. I mean, I hate to do this because, but yeah. it is true. The word you hear most often about him is punk. You know. Yeah. Right. That's he, uh... he's a punk. You know. Which brings me to this name because this is the name that I mean, and I'm and people have heard me say this before, but the one person I keep hearing connected with him, and you know, I'm not getting it from from their side of things, is is the is the Islanders, you know, and that that you have, you know, that you have a situation here where you know this this does feel to me like the Lou Lamorello shot that he would take. It does because he's historically tried to find, uh, you know, diamonds yeah. in the rough, the undervalued, the distant franchise, you know, um, and uh, the misunderstood. Also exciting players. Although, although I don't play devil's advocate, for free he could try Josh Hosang, which isn't that far off, and he won't. And he's he already has. He's already tried Josh Hosang, though. I mean, right, has he? Already, they've already, well, yeah, they've have they? Have they really given him a chance? Lou, Lou, Lou hasn't. Lou hasn't. Hosang got an opportunity with Garth Snow there. But as soon as Lou came in, Hosang has been essentially in Bridgeport, Bridgeport most Yeah, of but I'm going to give Lou the benefit of the doubt on this one. You know, because sure. He, I, don't, I think that there's a reason. There's, I mean, and I like Hosang. Hosang's a fun player to watch, but I, I have to give Lou the benefit of the doubt. Then trade you know. him. Why hold on to him? Well, that that is a good. I, I think they will. They will try to move him. You know, and maybe this would be the kind of situation that they could move him to as well. But I think that it, it, if you're, a, a, you know, there's a natural human instinct that you know, right. okay, this player doesn't work out for me, so I'm never going to use him. But you know, but but this guy, you know, he's he's I can fix him. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That well, that's, well, maybe you make a trade with the Islanders in Detroit. Hosang is as part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anthony, you know, one thing. Let's not lose sight of here. Anthony Cia has scored thirty goals at the yeah. end. Of the right. I know, and, well, and I, think, well, I mean, you know, he's a he's when he's got it all going, he's a dynamic presence. No question. Yeah. But but the, but the team but the team that gets him is going to have a little bit of an issue because he. I mean, although maybe not because if he's arbitration eligible coming off of this season, he's not going to have much leverage to to say to demand anything. But that's true. You know, he's he's walking his way closer to unrestricted free agency. He's got an agent who like the same agent as Mitch Marner who doesn't have an, a reputation for being an easy negotiator. So I mean, I think those are factors for any team that's going to try to trade for. Well, let, let me let me put this out there too that you know okay. we shouldn't lose sight of. Um, you know, if he wasn't on the Detroit Red Wings, who have a goal differential that's hideous, right? He he, he wouldn't be a minus a billion. Correct. Right. Right. And and uh, you know, I mean, you know, he's not the greatest defensive player in the world, but mm-hmm. you know, he wouldn't be a minus a million. And what what if this just is a uh, personality clash yeah. uh, between him and Blaschel. And well, and I think it's more than that, Kemp, because this is why Thanasio went in the fourth round, because I had him ranked as a very high talent, but a lot of teams stayed away from him, and I think these are the reasons, because he could score flat out in juniors. Like, everybody knew he had the speed, yeah. but there was the other thing. So I think I think there were more clashes to come with other teams, too. Yeah. No, well, that, that, that sounds well, again like be, a Lou Lamorello special to me. It sounds like the Lou Lamorello special to me because that's the kind of guy that he could be. Maybe for, maybe you know? he'll grow up. Maybe this is the year he grows up. I, yeah. you know. and and you know some of this just really is contract. Uh, yeah, uh, you know there are other issues here as, as well, but um, you know nobody, everybody recognizes his talent to you know to be right. sure. Now, all right, now, I've got another one when, in Thomas Tatar. Okay, we talked a little bit about him yesterday. Oh, um, you and I talked about him before, Kevin. Um, I think Montreal should keep him. I don't think there's any. I do too. I I don't get it. Uh, I don't get why yeah. they want to trade Thomas Tatar. Yeah, but the rumors oh. are out there that he is uh, that he's available. I think I, it's, I, I, I think it's a fishing expedition by the Canadians because he's got a year left in his contract, and they know that the value for players who have years left, like if they were going to trade Jeff Petrie, 
the same thing. He's got another year, and you can get a big return for him. But the problem is, and I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to be anti-Montreal. It's just a statement in fact. They can't get anybody to sign there. It's tough. So the, 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 the best thing for them is to try to get players that have term left in their contracts or the ones that they have that do have term to keep them. And then you only yeah. trade them if, if they're expiring contracts and you have no chance of re-signing them. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical on Tatar. You know, it's interesting to me that in the era when um, Chara is playing uh, reasonably well, uh, beyond the age of 40, and we and we yeah. do all the time how that players take care of themselves now and can play a long time. And Lundquist said to me that he can see himself playing in goal into his 40s. Um, that a guy like Tatar at 29, you know, you start yeah. thinking, you know, well, he's on the downward side. So, right. what, what, what is it? You know, I yeah, look at speed guys who are a little bit smaller, and we're expecting them not to last as long, which isn't necessarily true. I think that's the thought process. I, I think, Kevin, I think it's less their age than the fact that Montreal doesn't see the benefit of maybe signing him. At, like, if he if he leads them in scoring like he did last year, or if he finishes second in scoring, has another year like that next year, you know, you're you're slotting him in in terms of salary. Okay, over six million dollars. He's turning thirty. It's probably a long term deal. And they're saying, okay, we don't want to sign that guy for five years at six million bucks. So it's better for us to move him now and get value for him than let him walk away for a, a draft pick at the deadline or trade him at the deadline next year for a draft pick or let him walk for nothing. It's all asset management now. Maybe that's a good fit in, you know, because I haven't heard this rumor whatsoever, but has anyone thought about Kovalchuk and Tatar? You know, because Jim Rutherford has said on the record yeah. he'd yeah. like to take a guy that he can keep on the team. Yeah. Right, right. So right. you yeah. bring over Col you know, now you've added two scores two guys that can play in your top six. Um, and Cole yeah. played reasonably well since going over to Montreal. I, yeah. I, I got I got one for us. Um, All right. Brent, Brendan Dillon, who seems to be the most popular name in terms of defensemen, um, big 6'4", 225, UFA, salaries around $3 million, been to a cup final. Um, that type of defenseman that a lot of teams that going into the playoffs are looking for. Uh, Kev, I, I heard something about Winnipeg, and th th that's the situation. Winnipeg's defense is decimated. I mean, it's not just like they just got Kulikov back, it, ignoring the Buffalo scenario. Pullman's out, a couple of their other defensemen are out, and they're in the mix. So that might make yeah. sense for them. Yeah, I mean, I he is by far probably the second hottest player, maybe the hottest player in the marketplace. Um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of teams in on him. Uh, at the right now, the bidding's at a second round pick, um, and, and maybe something yeah. else, uh, but not not a premium yeah. prospect. Um, so you know, it, it maybe like whoever steps up. Uh, you know, if you're at the bottom of the first round, you're saying to yourself, you know, now with 31 teams, you know, like the bottom of the first round isn't so good. So you know, what could yeah. it end up being a first round? I, I, I don't think so, but you know, it's, at some point, it's going to come down to a bidding war. It so. could be in conditional first, like you know. I second. think it would be conditional because in this draft, even at the end of the first round, teams are very weird, leery about giving up a pick. Well, How about like the Washington Capitals though? Like the Washington Capitals' first round pick, which is going to be pretty bad. Um, but that that's a team I could see making a play for him. Yeah, it's the kind of move that, in my opinion, the Maple Leafs need to make. So. Yeah, I don't think the Caps would do it. I, no. I, I just don't. You know, I, I'm frustrated by the Maple Leafs when you look and you know they're third in the league in scoring and they're 24th in defense. Yeah, 24th. And um, you know, I, I think you just bring in guys for the playoffs on defense now right. that are just hard to play against, and he's yeah. hard to play against. Well, th this is this is the problem, Kev. I mean, right now. Uh, Morgan Riley and one other player on long-term injury, but Morgan Riley's coming back in March. That that it's expected he'll be back before the season, so they can't trade and use his cap space. They have to keep it open. They're up against it cap-wise. The only way they can make a move, and it's funny because in the Athletic, um, their, their their Anaheim Ducks writer was 
uh, you know, posing a, a scenario regarding uh, the Leafs trading, say, Casper Kapanen or dumping Cody CC's contract on Anaheim because Anaheim is going to have cap space and they'd be willing to take salary off another team's hands. Um, but mentioned forwards in the deal, and they're like, the Leafs don't need forwards. They need a defenseman like Josh Manson, and Anaheim's not trading Josh Manson because their backlog of defensemen are gone now. I mean, the only way the Leafs trade Kapanen or Janssen or Kerfoot, these guys who have term on their contracts, is if they get a defenseman signed just as long somebody yeah. of the same, similar age. And I haven't heard any names out there that's always, you know, capping in for Brendan Dillon, capping in for this guy. You know, it's always for rentals. They're not doing that deal because that asset management would be stupid if they traded a guy signed for two more years at three million bucks and was a good young forward for a defenseman who's gonna walk away at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean yeah. I get that. I don't I don't think anybody believes they would do that. But you know, there's yeah. always ways to do it. I mean sure. We, we always, you know, it doesn't seem to, you know, Jim Rutherford's always up against the cap every year. True. And, and somehow he figures out some way to make, you know, deals to improve his team. He's really good at getting guys on long-term injury reserve. I'll say that. He's, he's, he's definitely, yeah. that's definitely, well, definitely one of the, I don't know what they're drinking in Pittsburgh water there, but they're really good at keeping guys out just long enough. Actually, they've got lead in the water act. They're working on fixing that, actually. That yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, but i got two other defensemen, guys, um, Go ahead. to talk about. So, uh, one, the first one will be Sammy Vatman, who's another big name out there as far as, you know, probably the only the only one that I'm hearing that people would rather have than Brendan Dillon. Well, he's but, a righty. He's a righty. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, I've also heard that, you know, New Jersey has serious intentions to try to extend him because they really like him. Um, but this is coming down to, it. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're, four weeks out now so if they can't extend them they have to they have to do something what are your thoughts on that and kev well i i don't think he has the same market that uh dylan has to be honest with you um at least that's not what i'm hearing um like right. there are teams that uh, like him and want him but you know he he's not particularly hard to play against and i think that yeah, i guess the physicality for sure yeah uh, so uh you know i mean he could certainly help some teams um you know a guy that i and i think he could help nashville like I, I think one of the the things that's being lost here, and is how, uh, you know, the when they got rid of PK Subban, they went from having four premium defensemen and then filling in with two yeah. to being three and three now. Well, and I, I think yeah. I think it's had a big difference. Well, it's actually two because right. Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis is hurt. Yeah. yeah, and Fabro really hasn't stepped up to what no, he, no, he hasn't, and that's that has been an issue. So, saying all that, they that that might be a real good fit. In fact, if Ray yeah. Spiro was there, still yeah. there, I would predict that would happen because of his relationship. Yeah, because they have that solid. I mean, now the thing that's interesting, I just just to, just to the side on Nashville for a second. We talked about them a lot yesterday, but I heard Hal Gill today on XM Sirius XM give like one of the best interviews I've ever heard about analyzing what's wrong with a team. Um, his, his whole thing with the Predators was just phenomenal. Did you hear it, Russ? Did you I did not. Time? Okay, so he was like, he was something else because, so he said, first of all, he said, Heinz's theory is that the reason the top six forwards, because the bottom six forwards are scoring on Nashville, right? Mm -hmm. so the reason the top six forwards are, aren't scoring is because they play more with the top defensemen and the top defensemen on the Predators, you know, like, you know, we, we, we all know who they are, right? Roman Yossi and the rest um, at home are used to are used to rushing the puck, and he so so Heinz's thing is we got to get Yossi to get the put the puck in Yo in Johansson's hands more, and and like not have and keep the defenseman from rushing the puck, which I think is a terrible idea if you're coaching the Predators. That's just my my yeah. No, I mean, how did how did Johansson do it with Seth Jones? He managed. Right, but uh, yeah, I think I, I don't I don't think the uh, I think the what the Predators have at least been built on and what Poyle has built there is a team that, you know, does use the defense off as, as forwards and there, therefore, yeah. If we, but if you're going to say those defensemen are keeping the, the forwards from doing well offensively because they're rushing the puck, I don't see it. I don't, I don't I buy you. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It's like the, 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 the defensemen are rushing the puck because the forwards aren't scoring. I mean, I, yeah. you've got you've got you've, you've got the biggest waste right now. You know, Johansson making eight million, Duchesne making nine million, Benino making four and a half, Turris making six, and none of them are scoring. 
But the crazy thing is, if any of them score at all, that team is suddenly dangerous again because they have they have been getting good scoring from the bottom. Yeah, but that ship that ship's about sail, Rick. For this, their year. defense is having a great. Their defense is actually their defensemen are having some of their best yeah. years ever. I mean, Roman Yossi's having his worst. Well, that was going to say, Kev. That to me, that's the that's the sort of underlying story of the Predators right now. They always had that foundation of Rene being a, a backstop who would save them, uh, and and now I mean, I saw him play against Toronto on Monday. And I've seen him play a couple times during the year. He, I, I, he's, he looks like he's pretty close to being done, or this is just a really bad streak because he just does not look good. Yeah, he's had some. Uh, he's been much more inconsistent than he's been in the past. I mean, consistency has sort of been his, his key. And um, yeah, uh, you know, it's you know that that's always become an issue. At some point, the wheels fall off. Well, Gil said Gil said it perfectly. I thought Gil did not. Gil said he thinks Rennie's been fine, um, but and and I and you know I'm not going to say Rennie's been fine, but I'm going to say no. that Rennie hasn't been. I mean, this is not all on him. But he said that you know Hines has also instituted a more of a zone, or no, more of a man-to-man defense for the Predators, which enables which and what that does, of course, if you're playing man-to-man, you know, it it, it has your benefits in cycling, it has your benefits in offensive zone. But if in your defensive zone, it if somebody gets loose. And and a rebound pops out, you know. There's a guy. There could be a guy all alone. And, Gil, and with and well, somebody somebody missed somebody missed their man on Monday when Neilander had a clear cut breakaway from center ice. But well, I, I wonder if Hal Gill watched the Winter Classic and how uh, Rene gave up that lead. Oh no, I mean Rene. I'm not saying, but listen, but we know <laughs> Rene's game is aggressive, right? Rene's game is always going to be aggressive, and he's always going to be out, you know. And, and that's his and that's his thing. He's always going to be playing hard. He's going to over. He's going to overplay the puck sometimes. He's going to overplay the position sometimes just in general he's going to try to do too much when his team's behind that's those are all pecker things i mean does. i'll tell you the one thing i noticed that i i when i was in the locker room a few times for the winter classic and i saw renee he was thinner than i'd ever seen him before in his in, in his life and all, that to me always screams like when an older player gets thinner like that they're worried about their speed and if you watch his speed post to post like we said he's always a sprawling guy but he just can't get up and make that second save anymore where he used to be able to. And if he's out of position, the other team just takes advantage now. Yeah. Couple, I don't know, Kevin, thoughts on the Preds? Well, yeah, a couple of points about Rene. First of all, the Predators, as Hal, I believe as Hal Gill does, that uh, while Rene hasn't been spectacular, um, they don't think he's been the problem. Um, yeah. They think it's been a complete defensive shutdown. And what we shouldn't lose sight of is this is a pretty significant change going from Laviolette to Hines. Yeah. Laviolette yeah, is an up-tempo, push the puck, get it up. In fact, there aren't many people left in hockey that I would describe as an offensive-style coach, but I would say Peter Laviolette is an offensive-style coach. Yeah. And you can't say that about many coaches. And uh, Hines, yeah. Hines might be closer to Barry Trotz. He might be closer in terms of a, a, a defensive-minded, you know, matchup type of type Yeah. Of he, I mean, he was brought in. To, with the mandate of bringing structure to an unstructured group, and uh, so you yeah. know this man-to-man defensive uh, posture, you know, fits, yeah. fits the right in, fits right. Yeah. In. So it's probably going to take some time to uh, uh, to adjust to that. Now, Poyle's been on the record as saying he's not going to do much, um, but you know, sure feels like he's got to if he wants to make the playoffs. I, you know, well, I think, I think yeah, take up so. Well, Kev, Kev, let me ask you about a team that Ak and I always like to talk yes. about. Sorry, see, when a team like that has such success over there, you know it, yeah. it's fascinating then, to watch to see how they'll they'll they would they would survive not making the playoffs. Like Mr. Softy, is I'll take a Sunday if if I'm able. <laughs> um, Kev, no let's problem. let's let's talk about it. The t- a team that Ak and I always like to talk about, and that's the Blackhawks, because I think yes. Three weeks ago, when when they put Seabrook on LTIR and 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 Dehan on LTIR and opened up eleven million dollars of cap space, a lot of people thought, okay, they're going to like take on salary, get draft picks, you know, continue their sort of reset. Now they're three points out of a playoff spot. They've you know they've come alive offensively and they've done it without Dylan Strom, who's been hurt. You know, a guy a guy like Kubalik, yeah. who they got off the scrap heap, has got twenty goals. 
Yeah. Um, now I would think Stan, Bo Stan Bowman is looking to add before the deadline. What do you, what do you think? What did that? Were well, uh, it's kind of screwed up the goalie market. Uh, yeah. I can tell you that yeah. because there are a lot of uh, not a lot. There's only a couple of teams looking at goalies, but you know, I, there would have been a marketplace for Robin Leonard. Now they've got a hard decision to make um, because yeah. the Blackhawks are in this race now. Um, yeah. And so that, you know, that's what I'm hearing that the, the teams that, you know, were looking at goalies um, now quite, are, you know, are being, you know, kind of put on hold uh, because he, he was the guy, I mean, Georgiev is the long-term goalie that people are interested in, but Leonard was the short-term guy. You know, if right. you look at the, you know, for example, you know, look, compare his save percentage to what's going on in Edmonton. Yeah. Compare his save percentage to even what's going on in Calgary. Yeah. Compare his save percentage to what's happening right. in Carolina. Yeah. And you can see, well, you know, Leonard, you know, has uh, uh, some attraction to uh, the teams right, that, sure. you know, but it's a limited market. Yeah. Um, you know, because, I mean, do, do you really want it? Because someone has said to me, some of my readers have said, well, what about, you know, taking Leonard as a backup? Do you really want to go and pay the assets to bring Leonard in as, as your backup goalie? Like, I, you know, I, I don't, you know. No, if, yeah. if, Colorado, if Colorado, Edmonton, and Carolina are three teams I think could use an upgrade in goal, trade for Leonard, he's their starter. They're not going to sit, sit Leonard behind Koskinen or Grubauer or Morozik. It's He's going to be the starter. But the question is, you know, he's got a 922 save percentage in front of a in front of a defense that, that's almost non-existent. That, I, I, yeah, that's exactly right. But here's the thing about Colorado. Now, this is so odd, but I have heard people around the league tell me that if you had to guess a goalie, like a surprising goalie who would step in the playoffs, Grubauer is the guy that they all take. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. that he that if there's a guy that might just turn it on in the playoffs and just be the guy that nobody expected him to be, that he he could be the guy. I, yeah, I, I can see that. One thing, I looked up an advanced stat on, on Renee, and – he with the um, shorthanded has a 769 save percentage, and your goalie is supposed to be your best penalty killer, and he's not. And actually, so both Pittsburgh goalies are way better than that. And I'm I'm gonna guess if we looked around the league, 769 is one of the lower percentages in the league, shorthanded, and and that's something where he hasn't come up big. That's a pretty staggering number, Russ. I do agree with you. That's pretty. That's pretty damning. Well, no way it, to get it, around that. In the goal in the goalie market, I mean, I saw Craig Anderson last night, and I'm I believe that if he stays healthy for the next month, he's going to get traded by by Ottawa, and he plays he still can play pretty well. So if it, if a team is looking for a veteran rental, I mean, it's him. It's maybe Corey Crawford, although I don't know if whether he wants to accept a trade from Chicago. Probably not. And Ryan Miller's is in the same boat with Anaheim. But there are veteran goalies out there who teams might be able to might look at as a as a whole plugging uh endeavor or as a backup yeah 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 i think like i said before i thought greg anderson would be a really interesting thing for nashville to look at i really do i i, I think that would be a that would be a yeah, he played good yesterday i think i think that would be smart yeah. and, and remember anderson and i can't remember who he was with last game of the season got into the playoffs i think it was against the flyers and he won like 10 in a row yeah, it was yeah, Colorado, yeah, probably with Colorado. Yeah, it may have been. And so yeah. he's capable of doing that. It's just, but what Kevin is saying is they Nashville has to now sort of admit, all right, Pekka Renee doesn't have it, and we're going to put Anderson in. If they don't do that, it doesn't matter. They're not making the trade. Right. right. They'd, have, they'd, have to go, they'd have to go with them too. I mean, with, with Anderson, you're getting a, you're getting a, you could bring him in as a backup. You're not, you're not necessarily. It's not necessarily like you know Leonard. Obviously, it's a different situation, but. You could still, I could still see you bringing him in as like a guy who alternates with Rene a bit and could win the job. You know, I could see that kind of situation happening. Yeah. With um, with Anderson. You know, the one last player before we go, we got we're running long here is um, is that I wanted to um, I, people have been saying we have to talk about Shane Goss too, um, and you know whether or not he's going to be moved or not. I I don't have a good feel for it honestly. I, I, kind of flyers are kind of all over the map with Goss when I talk to them. So uh, Kevin, thoughts on Goss Bear? Go ahead, Kevin. Trade him in the summer. I, I just don't see he's yeah. the type of guy you move. Uh, I think yeah. that's what's going to happen too because we don't know what he's like after his knee surgery. He's not back yet, and he might have a yeah. week. He might have a week before the deadline to know that. And so I think 
they're better off yeah. them and trade them in the summer too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the only way they get full value for him is if he proves he's close to 100% the rest of the regular season. But the problem that you have, and you know this, because you see the Flyers play, and Russ knows this as well, Gostaspear has not played well under Vino. So him continuing to play under Vino, it could hurt his value in the summer because it's clearly not a fit. I think they're yeah. looking for health, though, Mike. I think you're yeah. you're, you're right when you said health. If they see he's healthy, some other team's going to look at Gostaspear and say, "All right, if we if we get Shane Gostaspear, he's going to cure X and Y at least for us." Like he hasn't lost his shot. He just, you know, he lost some confidence. He's not the worst defenseman in the world defensively. He could play a lot better somewhere else. He could. Yeah, the other the other veteran goalies, uh, Michael in the chat just said was Jimmy Howard, but. Kev, is 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 he is he, is he healthy? He just has played so poorly. Like, yeah. like Howard has played well for a couple yeah. of years, and it, you know it was really. Uh, I think people thought, well, they'll move him this year, and he'll get a chance to get with the contender. But he really has been civ like, um, and you know yeah. the team has been bad, no doubt about it. And I, you know, that's probably you know been the primary reason. But he, you know, he hasn't been good. You know, sometimes if you're playing with a bad team. It's yeah, showcase your ability. Because yeah, exactly. You, yeah. You're facing a lot of shots and all that. That hasn't been the case. You know, he yeah, he looked even worse than the team. So no, I've heard. Yeah, I've, I've, that's what I've been hearing too. People are just people have looked at him, but just there's just he's nothing. He's not showing anything in this game that he's like gonna go and help anybody at all. Yeah. Um. Right at this point. Well, I appreciate Kevin so much for having coming and join. I think we should do this every week or so and, and check out and check in on a rumor on where you're, what you're hearing with what you're hearing and who you're hearing where. Um, Cause I'm sure things are going to change a lot in the next 29 days, whatever it is. Um, so guys remember without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.